0: Father, um, I thank you for being with us in grief and mourning. We pray that you would be with the Hong family as they enter into a restful week. I pray that that time for their family would be so life-giving and restful. Um, I pray for the Oris family, Lord, that you would continue to meet them in the different waves of grief that hit over these next few weeks and months, Lord, and that you'd be with their church, we pray you'd sustain them through the pain and the different feelings that show up as their son is now with you, Lord. We thank you that you are in w- with us in such times of pain and sorrow. Amen. All right, so we are going to jump in this morning. As P- Pastor Peter said, I am Pastor Caitlin. I always joke with people every single week. I've been here for about six months, and I go into the foyer after the service, and I usually meet at least five or six new people. And someone always says, oh, are you a college student visiting? Or, oh, are you a new university student? And I'm like, surprise, I'm your pastor. (laughs) And I wish I could take a photo of their face because they're like, what did I just do? Um, So if I have not met you, hello. If you would like to meet or get to know me, I would love to meet you. So shoot me an email. Um, And as I said, I've been here for about six months, and over those six months, I've gotten the chance to sit down with a lot of you and meet our congregation and integrate into this community. And one of the biggest things that I've gotten to do is see where people are serving and really investigate how our church body works together and how everything functions around here. So that's my main role is to really know and see and and work with and alongside all the ministries here. And today we're going to be talking about just that, the unity of our church body, and how we have all, all have spiritual gifts to pull that off. As I've learned, the biggest observation that I've taken away over the last six months is that God is really powerfully at work in a lot of us, and in our community specifically. Um, that again and again, I keep telling our staff, do you get, God is here, like, I am always turn around every week, and I am surprised at how much God is moving, moving in us, in bringing us closer to him, as well as in our mission statement. We enga- are engaging in authentic community, we're advancing the cause of Jesus, and we are also learning how to worship Jesus better. I've also observed our different ministries over the last six months. We have some ministries that are flourishing and doing wonderfully, and if I'm very honest, we have some ministries that are needing rebuilding and needing a lot of, a little bit of work. As I've met everybody and integrated I keep telling people that are asking how this new role is going, is that I'm really excited at where, where our church is at. As a staff, we've been reflecting that it feels like God's launching us into a new season. We just recently are about to close on a new building. God's provided a specific concrete home where we'll be able to expand our ministry and expand how we engage with God and also our ministry teams. It feels as though God is calling us deeper into himself and deeper into unity as a community. Something that's amazing about this, as Pastor Peter kind of said, I'm going on vacation, preach for the first time. He gave me a scripture to open up today. And our scripture today describes the church and what the mission of the church is. And it feels like it matches where we are as a church body it's laid out in scripture and kind of a roadmap of how we can accomplish and serve God really well in this new season. The second thing that we've been talking about as a staff is that you may have heard us mention that we're going to launch into Emotionally Healthy Spirituality in in January. And as we prep for that, it's felt like God has really spoken to Pastor Peter and myself and Pastor Michael that we are on the brink of really digging up emotional things that have kept us from serving God to the fullest potential. Meaning we're going to uncover all of the different places that God really wants to heal us and therefore bringing us deeper with God. We'll be training leaders this fall and diving deep into places that we might not want to go or are hard to talk about, but I feel like God has healing for us there. And this will all bring us deeper in faith and maturity as a community. It's against this backdrop that we have a new beginning starting in the fall. We'll move into our new building, and it is in this that we will launch this two-part series. Between myself and Michael, I will provide the introduction of how we are going to use our spiritual gifts to do what it is the church is supposed to do, and next week, Pastor Michael will complete that. Our main message today is that I hope we understand that God gives us our spiritual gifts to build up the church and unify us together. And as your business pastor or executive pastor, I have three main objectives. Pastor Peter was joking. You better not be so linear that they are bored to death. I hope that is not the case. (laughs) Um, The first one is that we would discover our gifts. We'd be able to discover them and start to ask ourselves: Do we know what they are? Do have we ever prayed about and asked God, "How have you made me to serve the church and serve the world?" Secondly. How does that tie into the unity of the church and the community that God has called you to be a part of? And third, I'd like us to reflect on how God is calling us to each grow and mature and take a bigger step towards Jesus in faith. Our scripture today is out of Ephesians, where the author Paul uses a lot of imperative language. And that word... Was confusing for me at first. So to explain that a little bit, it means I exhort, or I strongly, strongly encourage you to live life this way. Um, in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, that language is only used once, compared to where our scripture will be coming out of. Chapters four through six, it's used 41 times. So it's a major theme of where we will be picking up Paul's words. Let's jump right in. We'll be reading the first half of our scripture first, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. If you have your Bible with you, pull that out and you can read along. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul's first point in this passage is, are we living worthy of our call focused on unity as a community? That's a big point. No passage, I would argue, and lots of commentators on this passage would argue, that is more descriptive than this one of the church's mission. Paul distinctly names that the mission of the church is to unify everyone under one head, which is Jesus Christ. And even goes on to explain that this is what unites us. The scripture points out how are we supposed to be worthy? And secondly... How do we know that? We have four virtues that Paul goes on to explain. Being worthy of being, a call, being called a Christ follower is a significant statement. Paul goes on to list what makes us worthy and what, how, why we can be called Christ followers. As I was reflecting on this and what it means to be worthy, it brought, together, brought back a specific story. Last year, my husband and I were able to save up some money and go explore Paris for the first time together. Um, we were there for a few days, and as we planned our trip, we both made lists and lists of what we wanted to see. And in that planning time, my husband found a list from Travel and Leisure magazine of listing the top 10 boulangeries in Paris. And being someone that loves sweet things, I was like, okay, we can plan our Paris trip around hitting all these 10 boulangeries. And so we went out to plan our historical museums and our hitting all the different sites, but we hit each of these top ten boulangeries. And Paris is a big city, so I would say it was very hard to navigate these little ten magical boulangerie shops around Paris, and finding them was pretty big feat. We went on and on to see which one had the best pastry and which one had the best different croissants, and what we found is some of them were surprisingly mediocre. Others had the best croissants we'd ever tasted, and we went back there two and three times before we left and flew home. The thing I found myself wondering about is how did this article rate these, why did, were they worthy of being called the best boulangerie in Paris? Um, and we might ask ourselves, why are we worthy of being called Christians? In our scripture, Paul exhorts us to strongly encourage us working walking worthy and specifically states the attributes that We should be looking for if we are to be called worthy of following Jesus and it says humility Humility is the first one marked This means our thinking is marked by a humbleness as we approach our mindset. Do we think of ourselves Better than others do we go around sizing people up thinking are we am I good enough to be here? Am I better than them rather than putting others first and putting God first This word in Greek is translated to be completely humble. And gentleness is the next one. Paul describes this as a character of Christ, one of meek stature, but with lots of power that's controlled. So we are able to use our power, but we don't use it so we get anything out of it. The third is patience, the ability to endure annoyances and difficulties over an extended time. The patience to endure annoyances and difficulties over extended time. As I was preparing this, I was like, that one doesn't need any explanation. Um, I think patience is something that's really hard in our day and age when everything is so readily available. And the fourth is bearing one another in love. Meaning, having patience with one another in our differences. A more appropriate translation might be putting up with one another in love. So if you ask yourself the question, who has to bear and love me? So who is the person that I annoy enough to say that they need to dig deep and say, I'm just going to love and hang in with this person right now? Um, It puts it in a different perspective. So are we worthy of being called Christians? And more specifically, are are these attributes, would people name these of us as we go around in our workplaces and our friends? This is always a humbling question, as before taking this role here, I worked downtown for a number of years in an engineering firm. And I would oftentimes find myself getting into a daily grind. And so I would kind of be mundane, go to work, not necessarily be focused on how I'm affecting people or saying hello or not saying hello. Um, But actually, when I took a step back, as people started to find out that I was in seminary and had different questions, it really made me realize, oh, people are wondering what that means and why is she in school? It was a very distinct thing to them. And they started asking questions about what that was. It made me realize no matter if I was in seminary or not, I should have been more self-aware of how I was coming off and how I was presenting myself in that setting. And I wonder if they would have named those four attributes from me or about me. As we move on in the text this morning, Paul states, we make, t- t- we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is only one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He uses the word one seven times here, and it's specifically pointing that we are called to our oneness in, in Christ and in community. Here we go on to see that unity comes from what we believe in, right? Why else would a, a body of 200 to 275 people be united to this extent if we didn't believe in the same things? God has acted in each of us, and in our response, we're all here. I can't imagine that I would just come to church for no reason. Um, so I must assume that we all have felt God somewhere, or are longing to feel God somewhere in our lives. This verse today is specifically important because we live in a culture that's really individualistic, and we're trying to be unique, and we're said, how can you be cooler? How can you find the more new, unique outfit? How can you look more unique in a society that that's what we value. Whereas here, we are called first to put unity and community first. This passage has its roots in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6-4. It's a famous Jewish prayer that's repeated twice a day by Jewish believers, and this is to ingrain that we worship one God, that in our oneness is where we are in our community. That prayer goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is my prayer today for us, that we would be able to take away that we are united in our oneness as a community. As we live into our calling to be in relationship with God and in relationship with each other, Paul is again emphasizing that we are called to oneness, oneness in unity and oneness in belief. Now, I'm not sure about you, but... I don't think what Paul is describing is very easy. Um, To maintain oneness with one another in community takes really difficult work and a lot of investing in one another. It's easy to be kind of complacent and not invest when people annoy us or or get on our nerves. But it actually takes work to communicate with one another. This is a call for us to respond and care care for one another, but also be more... Enough self-aware enough to maintain the unity that God has given to us as a community. The work here is both to care for one another, but also be able to know ourselves and how we affect each other as well. So as an act of unity today, let's say the verses on the screen behind me. This verse is believed to be somewhat of a creed that, that was stated by the early church together to profess what they believe together. So let's recite that out loud together. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. People have noted again that this was recited by the early church so that they would be able to profess what they believe together and publicly. Our church is filled with highly creative people over the last six months, I've been bouncing around and meeting different people, and I'm always shocked by what people tell me they do for a living or how they're serving inside the church. We have creative people. We have administrative people. We have really hospitable people. I would say I've met the most unique professions as I've met people in, in our community. In all of that difference is when we come together and serve together is when God is most glorified. Our church's oneness comes out of that as we serve alongside each other. Our strongest ministry teams that I've witnessed over the past couple of months is where two leaders are paired with different giftings. So on one of our ministry teams, I won't share which one because I did not have time to follow up with them to see if I would, can publicly out them. One of them is very gifted in administration, and one of them is very, very gifted in public speaking and leading spiritual prayers. And them together really propels the ministry forward. They, would, they like that they're gifted differently, and they also play off each other in a way that really serves our community really well. The way they're able to work together is more effective than if they were leading alone. As we read and learn about the calling that we have as a church to be unified as one community, it's really inspiring But I also get a little overwhelmed because the process part of my brain, and if you've gotten to know me at all over the past couple of months, I'm very process-driven and love to learn about how things work. Our second half of the scripture today tells us how we're to accomplish this unity. So let's read the second half together. It's Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, and it says this. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascends higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here we are told we are each given a specific amount of God's grace for the sake of unity in the church. That grace is our spiritual gifts to build up the unity of our church. Paul goes on to say that Christ has specifically worked in each of us really powerfully. Grace for the ministry that we've been given both in and outside the church. We are given these spiritual gifts to live out our calling or unity as a church. Some scholars believe that Paul is is pointing to two callings on our lives. We have one calling that's in the world, so your vocation in our community in a setting that's outside the church, and then we also have a calling to serve within the church, two specific callings. And it's clear that we are, are called to be a part of, to use our gifts within the church. We are responsible for identifying and utilizing our gifts both in and outside the church. As I have gone around and met a lot of different people here, conversations often surround our calling. Um, I think it's the stage of where we're at in life. Some people I've met are pretty sure that you've found your calling outside the church, whether you are serving as a doctor or you just finished some graduate degree that propelled you to where God wants you to be in the world. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent you really are certain that that is where God has placed you to be. Others of you have asked me to pray and other people to pray alongside you, that you're yearning to find that out. Um, That that is a desire of your heart right now, that you're trying to still figure out where God is placing you in the world to further his kingdom on the outside of the church. I'd like to say that we're all called to have a worldly calling, but we are all called right now to serve in the church. As we continue to grow and mature as a faith body, it's my hope that we, this would be our launching point for this new season that we're entering into, that we'd be able to explore more deeply what God has for us as we step into this new season. God has acted in each of our lives. Again, thus the reason why we are sitting here today And worshiping God together. As we read in the verses, God also has all the grace and apportioned us with specific gifts to serve in the church. When I first became a Christian, now some of you might know this or might not. A lot of people assume because I'm a pastor I grew up in the church. I did not. So I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. uh, Actually on the north side of Chicago in Rogers Park. I came to Chicago to play golf on the golf team. Very random fact about your pastor. And one of my golf teammates was a Christian, and she invited me to church one day and to the local fellowship on campus at the university. And so I went, and I was a little curious about why people were lifting their hands when they were singing, why they all sang the same. I had never entered the church context before. I'd never owned a Bible never had heard really why God existed, never had asked that question. Um, it was just something that never was in my life. And so at that point, after I had gone a few times, I decided, well, everyone has a Bible. So I got on the computer, and being very naive at that point, if you ever have friends that are not Christians and you are welcoming, in, welcoming them in, I would say, tell them Bibles are sold everywhere. <laughs> um, I Googled Christian bookstores, and landed at the Mustard Seed, if any of you are familiar, it's this very Christian, very Christian, meaning you walk in to the front of the store, and they have t-shirts for sale that say, one fish, two fish, God is for you too. Like, very things that I was like, what is going on? I don't understand how this connects to what I just experienced and was very confused as a new Christian. So I walk into the store and the lady that welcomed me was very extremely welcoming, sold me my first Bible. I bought my first Bible. It was very expensive there. And she also gave me a spiritual gifts inventory. And I kind of looked at her like, what are you trying what kind of gifts do you want me to give you? Like what are we talking about here? So I just I took it home and kind of read through the first chapter of Genesis, which is not the greatest place to start reading the Bible if you've never read it. I also took the spiritual gifts inventory and what was true is that although I didn't know what God how God had created me or thought about any of this, I still came out with three or four distinct gifts that I'm using today. And so As we explore the grace that God has given us, and as we explore what different spiritual gifts God's given us, I would encourage you, no matter where you are at in your faith or interactions with God, that God has created you from before we ever chose to believe. And so he kind of knows what he's put in us, the different talents. And in this scripture, it specifically highlights that those natural talents can be turned into gifts for the church if we turn away from ourselves and really use them and give them back to God for the church. And that has been true in my own experience. And I always joke with my friends, why am I testing so high on administration? And so here I am as you could almost give me that as my title, the administrative pastor. Um, but has been I've always thought that that was an annoying gift of why is that so boring? Like who wants to be good at administration? And it's been the gift that has brought me the most joy as I've used it to serve the church. And so I would encourage you, if you're not super excited about different gifts that you think you have, if you start to use it in different ways that God can really use it, it will be surprising how joyful that experience can be. So as we explore what spiritual gifts we have, I would urge us to ask different questions have you ever explored what different gifts you have? Have you ever thought about it other than what can get me ahead in my career or the world? Are we specifically in different roles in the church that benefit God? But also, are, is this how, what God has called me to serve in? And where am I called to serve? The challenge for most of us is that maybe we're serving— but are we in the right place? Are we in a role within the church that really matches our giftings? I am here to tell you, if you are one of those people serving and you're, you're kind of sitting here like, whoa, is she telling me that I can quit my job in the church? I would encourage you to really come talk to somebody about that. If you are feeling like you are serving, but it is, doesn't, isn't a match for how God's made you to be, and it feels like there's specifically something that would be a better fit, come talk to us. I feel like God will always provide somebody else to take, out, take that role from you. In our scripture, we see that God is flipping our calling on its head and calls us through his mercy and power to use our gifts to further God's kingdom. The last passage of this text goes on to explain that as we use our gifts, it builds up the church— and thereby we all grow in faith and maturity. This is a significant point because as we each participate, only then is the church going to reach its fullest potential. So I can tell you right now, I'm probably the only pastor that has done this, but I know where everyone is serving and where everything is operating in our church, right? And I can tell you, we have amazing, amazing amounts of people serving, and we also have amazing, amazing amounts of people that just come on Sundays. So today, I'm here to encourage you to get involved and jump in and really start to ask God, why have you called me to new community? What, how can I use some of my talents turn them into spiritual gifts see what those are and how can that be of benefit to this church community you've brought me to be brutally honest with yourself it might be hard i have some friends who i know are church hoppers and we always have the question of why do i need to commit to a different church Um, i specifically think that this is a part of god's heart for us a part of being in community is also being a part that propels it forward in growth And our growth is limited by the amount of people that choose to do that together and serve alongside one another. Over the last six months, as I have investigated and gotten to know everyone and integrated in, my final conclusion is that in the new season, it feels like God's heart is to open up the floodgates of all this coming to fruition. So bringing our church another step forward in maturity bringing our church more in a unified fashion into the building, and also bringing his grace in different apportions to each of us. I'd like to invite Grace back up for the keys. We're going to end a little bit differently today before we launch into communion, um, and I'd like for us to ask each other some specific questions as we fill out some papers that we have stuffed into your bulletin. So if you could find those for me. Again, the two questions that I have are, do you think the role that you're serving in is a good fit for how much you know yourself and as much as you know right now about your different spiritual gifts? Let that sink in. So if you are currently serving at New Community, do you think the role that you're currently serving in is a good fit for how, as much as you know about yourself. We're going to continue to unpack spiritual gifts, so you might learn that you have a gift that you never knew about. And secondly, are we serving? Are there opportunities in your life to get involved more? I wanted to provide a tangible response today um, due to the pertinence of the text for our community So the insert that you all are looking at is the orange insert. It is different areas in our church where you can get involved and serve. Um, I ask that you would take the next five minutes or so. I'm going to pray over us, and then we'll take five or six minutes to fill that out before we take communion together. So Father, I pray that as we enter into this new season, that you would gift each of us. And that your heart would come to the surface in each of our lives. I pray for a deepening of our faith. And I ask that you would be present as we continue to serve and search for unity within our community, Lord. I pray that the really big mission statement that you've given our church would come to the forefront of our minds. And that you would provide a role for everybody in this room of how they can be involved specifically because of that's how you created them to be.